Guys, thank you so much for joining. This is, um, yeah, happy new year also to both of you and to everybody on the call. It's, uh, you know, I love New Year's Eve as an ex a, a great time to like reflect on the year that, that passed and to look forward to the year ahead. Um, so do you, do you guys do uh, New Year's resolutions or, um, or are those out or we're we doing something else these days? I don't know. I, I've always felt the New Year's resolutions were a little bit funny because it's like, it's, it's like, I'm going to try to be a better person one day a year. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's a commitment. It's a commitment for the year ahead. Oh, well, but like, Best case scenario. you don't need a day to do that. You can just do that. And you should do that, you know, like I agree. once a week instead of like once a year, just constantly be self-reflective and say like, how can I improve myself as a person? Maybe it's losing weight. That's a kind of like common one thing, but maybe it's just, you know, being less of a dick or I don't know, being more charitable. I don't know. I mean, whatever an individual feels like they can change for themselves. Awesome. So, Chad B, 2022, more charitable, less of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, less of a dick. <laughs> awesome. And, uh, and uh, on-chain puppy innovation is really the big, the big vision for 2022. That's my focus for the next uh, – yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> love it. And, uh, and actually, oh, we're remiss not to uh, – you know, I love to do this even though it's, it's not totally necessary all the time, but um, – Let's give like a real quick uh, introductions to to each of us. Um, Chad, do you want to kick us off? Miller Cow, yeah, run it up next. Uh, I'll kick off, I suppose. Um, yeah, so my name is Chad Barrafort. Uh, I'm a core dev. I've been in the project since um, um, the very beginning. I think I committed the first lines of code of Thorchain of the Thor Core Protocol. So I've been there for for quite a long time, uh, and uh, I sometimes uh, come out into the public to to discuss the project and to educate and inform and. Uh, answer questions and, and advocate for the importance of this protocol. Awesome. And we appreciate you for it. Thank you, Chad. And uh, Mr. Cal. Yo, I'm familiar Cal. I make, uh, I'm a community member. I make sneakers that look like Thorchain and uh, I do Twitter spaces and random stuff here and there. A, a very uh, awesome creator and uh, <laughs> Chad and I both are, are uh, recipients of some of these uh, Thor Force Ones. They're these customized Nike Air Force Ones with the, and the Thor changing the theme, and they're incredible. Uh, so appreciate you for it, Mr. Cal. And uh, I, I'm Xerox Saigon, uh, founder of RuneBase.org, a, a site dedicated towards like education and onboarding into the Thor Chain ecosystem, uh, and also co-founder of ThorGuard's NFT project. And yeah. And uh, today, so... Uh, Cal, what's on the what's on the menu for today? What are we uh, getting into? We got the 2021 recap of everything that's all, all the major events that have happened in the Thorchain ecosystem in all of 2021, going from February to today, December 31st. Awesome, and we uh, we'll, so um, familiar. Cal started this outline, and then uh, one of our uh, team members on the Runebase side, shout out to Zero X Jet, helped uh, flesh out uh, some additions as well. And uh, we thought it'd be cool. There's, there's actually a lot. There's like we, we put together a doc here, and there's I don't know four pages or something, and it's it's a lot. It's too much to go over. We scheduled 90 minutes for this thing. Uh, probably I don't know if we're going to get through literally everything, but the I think what we're looking forward to doing was basically running through this list and then getting color and perspective from Chad and getting a bit of the inside behind the curtains look at what, what things were like, uh, you know, on the, uh, for the, at the development team level. Um, 
and uh, and yeah, just uh, kind of get some of that reflection on on twenty twenty one, and then maybe what we can do next week is is talk about the things that we're excited about uh, in twenty twenty two and what Thor Shane will look like going forward. Um, it sounds good, Mister B. Anything anything you'd like to add? Any uh, any other end of year reflections you'd like to work into the process? You talking to me? Uh, yeah. No, we'll, we'll just go. I'm sure we're going to have way um, less time and things to talk about, probably. So, yeah, I'm sure we'll. I'm sure we'll have a no issue. Tends to be the case. Well, 2021 was a was a wild year for for uh, crypto more broadly and Thorchain specifically, um, and uh, started off with a series of of, of really just great uh, launches as we went from. Um, uh, single chain chaos net, right? Like, uh, or single chain main net, uh, with, um, uh, you know, just on, on the, the Binance chain into, into multi-chain for the first time. So, um, uh, Cal, you want to kick us off with the first thing on the list here? Yeah. I, mean, I guess the first major thing, it, this is only in February, but the, uh, multi-chain test net went live on February 8th. So I, that's like the first major, like development, I guess, in that, I mean, it, it wasn't the multi-chain chaos, that, but um, the, the test net went live in February. So uh, yeah, Chad, what was, what, what was the, uh, what was going on in the, in the team around, around February? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that was super exciting for us, for sure. Um, we all, I mean, single chain case that was there to kind of prove that the economics work more than anything else, probably prove the technology works. And if you could swap with just one chain then there's no reason why you couldn't do with any others. And so multi-chain test, test that was when we were first able to go live with interacting with uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin and, and Litecoin and these other chains. And so it was kind of like, <clears throat> they, it was really super exciting because it was like kind of the precursor of like, okay, we're so close to actually like, delivering on the the vision of you know the original white paper of like what this thing is and so we were super excited about it um and so of course we we ran there for i don't think like a month or two i think it was whatever it was um to kind of give it some time for the community to to kind of you know blast on it and uh, see if they could find any issues or bugs or what what have you um and, but in the end it was just went very smoothly for the most part which i was super excited about what, what about before the launch is was there like like what what was the the feeling like before the launch like like how long did it take to get up to that point where you're ready to release it? Um, to the testnet launch. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, almost a, like I think it was probably a few months into single chain case that we started. To, we actually created an entire different branch in GitLab that was for multi chain, um, and we did that in part because. <clears throat> we realized that we wanted to, to use a native asset because <clears throat> in the original design, we weren't going to use a native asset. We were just going to keep it the, the, the BEP2 asset in the very early, early kind of designs. Uh, but then we were like, you know, it's much more efficient. It's much more effective. Uh, there's more things we can do. It's much more powerful if we just switch BEP2 over to our native, our own native asset, which in itself was going to be like a complicated thing to do. And we certainly didn't want to <clears throat> take the current single chain case and like, like convert that chain over to multi-chain because then you have to like support different types of rune and that would have just made everything a lot more complicated and a lot more dangerous. And so we just were like, we don't want to do that. Let's just create an entirely separate chain. And so we spent months and months and months working on that aspect to it, working on um, 
like single sided added single sided adding liquidity like there's a bunch of features of functionality that were present in multi chain that were not present in single chain um but we wanted to make sure that when we launched multi chain that it had pretty much a complete feature set uh that you can from from the you know it's from the adding liquidity the moving liquidity swapping all those kind of things and so that took months and months and months of building and testing and and, and trying out and making sure it's all uh, pretty good and solid um yeah Awesome. And uh, just for context here, we don't want to focus too much on, on price, but I think it's interesting to track this over the course of the year. At the beginning of the year, um, as Gorechain went from uh, single chain, like BEP swap into multi-chain testnet around February, this was, we're trading, Rune was trading around like one, 130, 180. Uh, and so it was uh, wee early days for, for the Rune token. Um, for sure. And uh, as we crossed into February, two uh, two features that um, that make Dorchain stand out amongst other um, LP opportunities. Uh, one of them is impermanent loss protection. Um, this this model where like anybody that's you know provided liquidity into LPs is familiar with the anxiety of potentially um, potentially losing out on them uh, through what's called impermanent loss, um, which is where the opportunity cost of just holding the two assets outperforms the um the uh kind of if, if those two assets diverge in in price too much um while you have an lp position and the rewards don't account for the potential loss um so impermanent loss protection and then uh synthetic asset design was finalized um can you talk a bit about uh yeah like um the synthetic asset design um you know what what is that and, and uh what do we have to look forward to um with that design uh, as it comes to production yeah, so we wanted to, to have the code of, of synthetics into multi-chain at a time when you launched it just so that uh, we didn't have to make any like large changes in the back end of, of a live network just to kind of, um, it just felt more safe to do it that way. And so we did it that way. So synthetics allows the network to be able to, because the network has an AMM built into its core protocol, it always knows the price of any asset, right, that's on the network. Unlike Ethereum, right, Ethereum doesn't know the price of, you know, UST or whatever, like it, in the ERC-20s, um, it doesn't have that built into the core protocol. And so because of that, we can actually generate uh, assets on ThorChain that, that always kind of uh, price-wise move with its underlying um, linked asset. And so uh, Synthetics kind of create is the, is kind of the, um, the doorway into an entire new concept of what we call ThorFi, uh, which allows us to do, not just to do, use this as an AMM, but to do all sorts of things that, that you know, nobody else can do in the industry, right? Even just like if you think about like lending, um, just taking lending by itself and you add the cross-chain concept on top of it is like that by itself is like a monumental shift, right? Especially when you're talking about like supporting, you know, Bitcoin, which is like obviously the, the biggest and most important asset in, in crypto by like a long shot, right? And yet it's so kind of forgotten in terms of the rest of the DeFi space and for good reason, because it's, it's not built on an EVM. So it's, it's hard to interface with and interact with, which is why it took us, you know, years of work and effort to, to build this thing, right? I remember talking to uh, Robert from, um, Robert Leshner from, uh, compound and they were talking about like lending and doing like a cross chain thing and they were going to only do EVM based chains. I remember I asked him like, so why didn't you like you know do like you know Bitcoin because obviously like a really important asset and he was just like, well it's just 
it's just really hard. And it's like, well, yeah, I, I, <laughs> yes, yes, it is really hard, but that's what people want. That's a, that's what the industry, you know, obviously needs. So, um, so I'm super excited to, that synthetics allows us to get to that place where we can actually do like layer one Bitcoin loans. And, and to be clear, like when we're lay, lending out layer one Bitcoin, we're actually laying out layer one native Bitcoin and synthetics is used as part of the process to do so. Um, Anyways, so synthetic was, was a huge concept and a very important kind of fundamental pillar of the network's design in order to get us further down the road of giving even more powerful and, and functional things within DeFi that we are uniquely positioned to do it. No other chain in the space, no other uh, DeFi protocol in the space is even remotely uh, capable of actually executing on. And so synthetics was that, that kind of door where we needed to get there. I think it's crazy that the uh, synthetic asset design was finalized in February. And I, you know what I mean? It's just, uh, it, it yeah. just seems like it's so long ago that like, we're like, we're like looking forward to seeing synthetics. Yeah. It's been like on the roadmap forever and we've had it like it's in the code. It's been actually live since we launched multi-chain. We, and it's been unchanged too, other than like maybe a couple of small bugs that we discovered, but like, it's the same exact design as it was before. And we, the only reason why it's not like launch is because we've been focused on, uh, you know, stability and security over the last few months for, for synthetics, you know? Yeah. So the next thing that we have on the list here, April 13th, 2021, infamous day, the uh, multi-chain chaos net launched. That, that was the actual launch of, uh, when people were able to first add liquidity to the network. So that must have been just a crazy awesome time just getting really, really pumped up for um, oh, absolutely. Just the network going live. Yeah, that was a crazy time. And my, my daughter was born uh, shortly after. And so that was an insane wow. time for me uh, where I had like two really good reasons of why I wasn't sleeping. And one was the network. <laughs> one was my daughter screaming in the other room, you know, um, or the same room actually. But um yeah, that was like, that was such a, a moment, you know, and I remember what was funny about it was, uh, I think it was like the day of or the day before Coinbase went uh, had their IPO. And like, yeah, it was right thing, then. like everybody <laughs> yep. was kind of like tweeting and talking about Coinbase and the first like, you know, cryptocurrency company goes IPO, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I remember I was talking to uh, Eric Voorhees from Shapeshift uh, and he was just saying how like everybody's talking about Coinbase, but like I think in the future people will look back and say like that like the the monumental shift was you know the launch of uh, of, of Bitcoin and of support for Bitcoin cross chain swapping and all all this kind of stuff and even the shapeshift themselves like the literally the same day that we launched uh, they ripped out their entire back and replaced it with you know Thorchain on day one they didn't even want to wait you know a few weeks or months or whatever to like you know, for the network to prove itself, they were just so, you know, balls in, ready to go, like super bullish on the concept that they were like, I, we can get rid of KYC within Shapeshift. Let's fucking do this. Like, let's F LG, right? Let's fucking go. And so they were like, day one, they were like, let's go all in on this thing. And I was like, all right, man, let's do it. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually kind of poetic that uh, the chaos night would go live the, the week that um, Coinbase kind of gets its shares out there to like retail invest, like almost dumps it on retail investors with like you know how much they're asking for like uh, for their IPO. So it's kind of yeah. crazy that the decentralized version comes out like the same week, basically. Yeah, it's a bit comical to me because like 
I mean, congrats to Coinbase and all that stuff. But like, you know, you've moved further down the corporate entity line of traditional finance, which, to be honest, just doesn't really excite me all that much personally. You know, I'm more excited about what we can do in the in the new finance, this new finance system. You know, and and providing a mechanism for people to move across chains in a completely trustless way without requiring permission or being censored or anything, things like that's to me is like hands down so much bigger news than like, oh, a company went IPO and they happened to sell Bitcoin. Like that's just, to me, it's like, you know, whatever, fine. I mean, congrats at all. But like, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't really, I really don't care that much to be honest. I'm yeah. more excited about like, you know, actually implementing something that is like desperately needed. And I always say a hair on fire problem of being able to move across chains completely trustlessly without requiring like some sort of, you know, a bridge to maintain the, the, the price of your, you know, wrapped asset or some, you know, horseshit, you know, like, <laughs> it's just, to me, it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's fairly obvious. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, around the time that um, multi-chain net launched and the Coinbase IPO occurred, there was a, a good um, a tweet that I saw. It might've been Vance Spencer, some, I think like a VC in the space. And he said, Coinbase in five years, likely, It'll be, you know, I'm going to paraphrase here, but, you know, fiat on and off ramps, dealing with regulatory issues locally, but backing up to decentralized liquidity, essentially. Um, and I think I, I, I think that make, kind of makes sense in my mind. Like as, you know, as a global like cross chain liquidity uh, protocol grows, it'll it'll suck up all the liquidity in the ecosystem. And over time, centralized exchanges will have no choice but to tap into that. I mean, it'll be, you know, it'll be there waiting for them. Um yeah, I mean, so, if, you, if you look at centralized uh, services like Coinbase and, and Kraken and stuff, like, they offer, like, you know, lending and yield and all this kind of stuff, which is, like, you know, peanuts relative to what you see mm -hmm. in the in the DeFi space, you know. Um, if you look at BlockFi, they, they produce revenue using GBDC, which is a very unreliable mechanism to generate, you know, income for the interest accounts on, on BlockFi. So mm -hmm. what are they going to do? I mean, I think in the long term, once, you know, we get further down the road of maturity on ThorChain's case, that they're going to, I think the natural thing to do is just, just to like, you know, instead of using GBDC, just put some Bitcoin in the Bitcoin pool and just generate yield from the swaps. Like, I mean, you're going to get much more yield for, for one thing and, and much more consistent yield too. So it's, I, it's not much of a downside from my perspective, at least. And so, uh, multi-chain chaos net went live in April, uh, and that takes us into early summer. Um, on the back of multi-chain chaos net, the rune price went from about five dollars uh, in let's see April to up to a high of about twenty dollars right around mid to late May. So explosive time for the Thorchain community. Um, and then that takes us into June, uh, and in June a couple of things happened. Um, Thor name service uh, or like a the presale launch. So the, the Thor swap team um, helped execute the presale of Thor names in June, and this is where we start to see some of the ecosystem, um, some of the ecosystem products starting to take shape. Uh, and then also in June, towards late June, there was an ETH parsing error and exploit. Um, and then uh, yeah, uh, Chad, you want to talk about like what what uh, what occurred there, and then um, and what was the solution to that? Sorry, I'm, I'm paused. Uh, I'm mute. Uh, for the ETH parsing one? Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, basically somebody created a an ERC-20 that pretended to be ETH. That's, I mean, that's, that's it in a nutshell, mm -hmm. um, which was literally like a one-line change to fix. <laughs> okay. 
Oh, and this was this was against the backdrop of like I think right at um, May, end of May, um, like a, a macro correction in the broader crypto markets. So I forget exactly you know the the um, the price action that like either Bitcoin took, but um, but even before there were any issues on uh, in Thorchain, like there was there was this macro correction, and that set the stage for I, I would say a pretty rough summer for most of crypto and, and Thorchain as well. So um, e-parsing parsing error and exploit took us into July. Uh, and Cal, you can kick it off from there. Yeah, well, I, th- I think we know the story of what happened at the beginning of July with um, the, uh, e- the I, let's see, what is that, the ERC-777 bug? And basically the, there was uh, those two exploits that happened in July. So yeah, yeah just you want to take us through what happened there again? I'm sure we've all, like, I heard about this, but uh, do you want to like summarize? Yeah, the 777 was uh, a bug in the ETH router itself, a smart contract, where it basically allowed a re-entrancy, <coughs> a re-entrancy attack. And so a white hat um, found that and basically took up all of the funds just to, just to secure them and then sent them back to uh, the network um, minus a, a fee. Cool. There were uh, three over the course of July, the 777 bug and then two different uh, uh, incidents uh, involving uh, the ETH chain. And it was, you know, this was, this was a, a tough period for the, the ThorChain community and the ThorChain ecosystem um, and it, because of the sequential order. But looking back on a few things here and then as we get out of July into August um, and we see the initiatives that... Uh, that took place to harden the network. And then also it occurred to me, there was um, wrecked news covered some of this. And but at the, uh, just earlier today or yesterday, they had a, um, like a, a, like a, a leaderboard for all the exploits in DeFi this year. I mean, they listed out the top 20 and actually very little funds were actually lost in any of these exploits and nothing was lost by any of the users, uh, swappers or liquidity providers or nodes. Um, everything was covered by the treasury. And so, None of these exploits in some total uh, made any of the, the rec leaderboards. Um, but uh, but that took us, I think it was three in July, um, what, the ETH parsing area in June. Um, and then that takes us to August, where we see all of this, all of these initiatives to strengthen and harden the network. Um, so, yeah, so yeah. so these were these exploits were relatively small in in terms of the quantity of funds taken, and that's largely in part because it, it, the network was in you know in chaos net, and it was the liquidity was capped, and so there wasn't as much funds to take, and that was you know designed on purpose that way, right? We we wanted to launch this into like a, a beta status and, and kind of tame down. Uh, that was all done you know intentionally, and it ended up working out very well. I mean, if we didn't do that, we if we kind of yoloed our way into the whole system then we probably would have lost more funds and the treasury would have lost even more funds than it did in the end. So we're kind of, you know, proved ourselves to be correct in terms of being cautious and, and, and being guarded in terms of the way we uh, launch things. And since then we've seen obviously like these massive attacks of like, whether it be poly uh, network or, you know, compound or um, um, uh, it was badger, like all these things were like 110, 120 plus million dollar yeah probably and compound are number one and three on the leaderboard i'm looking at this and i don't think thorchain would have made top 30 on this list which is actually no i I don't even think it even makes top 70 to be honest with you um if you look at the whole thing i 
It's 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 really relatively speaking, it's rather small. Oh, here it is, number forty nine. So okay, oh, yeah. it's a uh, you know, it's up yeah. there. It's it's yeah, and it, honestly, it, it, we'll, we'll move down that down that line over time. To be honest, yeah, like I said, we're just gonna see more of that. But uh, but like that was all done, you know, somewhat on purpose to be have that kind of guarded guarded uh, launch, which obviously made a lot of sense, you know, improved the correct thing to do. You know, but after that point, like we, we kind of realized that there's something wrong with the with, with the F implementation because we kept on seeing these F related issues, and that's why the, the network you know decided to like or the community especially pushed for the idea of let's just put things on pause, let's, let's, let's pause the network, um, and do an analysis, all these kind of things. And then the team brought in like multiple external teams that did no audits, which they found nothing, and then uh, not nothing, but the nothing important, nothing critical. Like, well, that's, yeah, it's the next thing on the timeline, August 3rd. So, this is like you know, there's basically like exploits in, in July, like the network goes down and the, like the next thing that happens basically in the ecosystem is Nine Realms announces uh, Thorsec basically, like Halborn comes in, uh, Thorsec becomes a thing. So yeah, yeah Trail of Bits came happened? in. Yeah, so that was great because we, we then had, a, I don't know how many odds were actually done in the end. I've literally lost count. Um, there was two external um, a few internal and then some like kind of friends of friends kind of doing it as well in a sense we were, were like non-official uh, audits in a sense um, so we, just, we the point was to get as many eyes as possible on this code base because it is a very large code base much larger than uh, anything else in this space or at least most uh, at least most things in the space and so it is a lot more difficult to not only write and secure but also to audit as well and so we we wanted to, to, to the, the more eyes, the better. Like this, this, you know, so we just pulled every string we could pull, and thankfully, Nine Realms, you know, played a significant role in that and helping to, to bring in some of the, the the best minds. Like, you know, we, we have a, a dedicated Thorsec team of guys who've been you know hacking on DeFi for years and have been very successful at that. We even recently brought in a, few, a couple months ago the guy who who like broke Geth. Um, and had that huge exploit on, on, on Ethereum a few months ago. He came in to do some fuzzy. Uh, security te- testing on our uh, code bases, so it's been an ongoing effort. It's not something we just did for like a few de- few days or a few weeks, whatever. Like it's still happening today. We're still bringing in more people to to, to give it a deeper and deeper and deeper look uh, at the code base. We're always kind of just making the assumption that there's more things to be found, and because you cannot assume that there isn't. So we're just constantly been, are like just looking for more people to, to to be involved with it. I'm always encouraging people that I know in the space to give it a look or, you know, give it a gander, so to speak. Um, it's just, it's just been going on nonstop for, for months on end, literally. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and through this period, uh, July into August, uh, the chain, the chain was halted. Um, there was no like swaps, no LP actions. Uh, the nodes were frozen. Um, yeah. and, uh, and the first step towards, we called it like the, like the road back to mainnet. Um, was first Thorchain resuming block production that happened August 10th, and then uh, August 18th, single chain chaos net Ragnarok uh, is completed. Actually, that's actually independent of, of this. Um, yep. August 22nd, sorry, uh, Thorchain resumes rune transfers. Um, so, you can you talk a bit about like um, the, the the strategy from after in the wake of the exploits? Um, things are halted, things are paused, and then. Um, initiatives are put in place to, um, you know, pen test and uh, audit different parts of the network. And then going from there to um, resuming block production and then resuming rune transfers, um, what were the 
give us a little bit of insight and like what what were the different stages um like to like why resume block production first and then rune transfers after and then swapping and other actions later well so we want to resume uh block production as, as soon as reasonably possible um so that the network is producing block rewards and so everybody who's got capital in the system uh, either on the bond side or the pool side that you're still making some kind of income um from all that you know it's, you know just kind of um, have your funds kind of frozen and nothing you can do about it and, and that you can't even pull them on either. So we wanted to at least give somebody, some people, uh, you know, at least some, some benefit, some, some, some yield, you know. So you want to get that thing back online as, as relatively as quick as possible that, you know, with maintaining safety and all that kind of stuff. So that was the first part and that took, required a bunch of audits from a bunch of different teams to look at, you know, a certain uh, smaller scope of the, of the code base to make sure that this, this code, these code paths are, are uh, safe and, and reliable and, and secure and all these kind of things. But at that point, there's very little risk of, of like exploits at that point because you know, if the only thing you're doing is producing, producing blocks and you're, and you're not allowed to transact at all, then there's not really much input that you can manipulate to, to get some sort of desired output. So it, it was very little risk to do it from my perspective, and, but we still required uh, multiple teams to, to verify that. Cool, very cool. Cal? Uh, yeah, so uh, well, you kind of brushed over the single chain chaos dot Ragnarok, but that's actually kind of kind of interesting how the basically the chain like demolished itself from uh, like and, and returned all the funds to to everybody. It, like, yeah. but it was kind of interesting and like very slow. Like, what's not like everyone got their uh, funds back like in a, a big blog. Like, people got like you know five thousand rune in a single transaction. So, um, yeah. So, what happened with the uh, uh, with the Ragnarok of single chain, yeah. So the concept of, of Ragnarok was this idea early on that that the network will basically self implode and send out everybody's funds in the like in a crazy scenario, right? And that's it's intended if like uh, if everybody just kind of leaves the network in terms of the validators, that once you you you're getting close to like losing Byzantine fault tolerance, which is like I think four nodes, um, the network says it's no longer going to be secure to maintain these funds. So let's just, you know, just everybody withdraws, including the, the validators themselves. And so everybody gets their funds back. And that, that's the kind of the, the safety kind of um, uh, trigger on the whole network that it, it's capable of returning everybody's funds in some crazy edge case scenario. So we should never see this in reality other than the intended purpose of destroying single chain. Hopefully we'll never do this again. But in the act of doing so, we, we learn a bunch of, you know, things and, and partially the, the chain got to some kind of wacky scenario where it just took so long to generate a single block that it made, it just slowed everything up a lot slower than intended. Um, so it just took a lot longer than uh, we wanted to take. And once we fixed those bugs in single chain, it, it just sped up a lot faster and everything was just kind of done within a few hours. Um, I think moving forward though, the, the code changes we made, multi-chains, if we ever see this again, it'll be a lot faster. It should be about, it should be about 20 times faster. Um, and the multi-chain. Uh, How long did it take before? It was a couple of uh, weeks, right? Yeah, I think, I, think like, like, I think a week or two or something like that. I think it was about two weeks it took. Uh, and that's all because uh, there was just some, some like a few edge case uh, bugs that just kind of slowed the process up. And we just patched those as we went along and everything was fine. Like it wasn't so much of a big deal. But, um, but yeah, I think now if we were to rock, rock like multi-chain today, um, it would probably would only take like a day or two, I would think. Very cool. Um, 
Awesome. Yeah. It's good to see that, that progress of the, of the ecosystem. Um, and, uh, and also on the topic of progress in the ecosystem here, uh, as we transitioned from August into September, um, we start to see a lot of action in uh, above the protocol level, different interfaces, exchange interfaces, um, our uh, launchpad, et cetera, um, starting to uh, come to life. And so one of the um, first things that we see here in September, uh, sweep uh, decks rebrands to DeFi Spot. Um, the DeFi Spot, as everyone knows, is seeking to become like the Coinbase of DeFi, like a really simple user interface that uh, builds on top of and backs up to ThorChain on the back end for, um, for uh, LP and for swap um, actions. So um, DeFi Spot rebrand occurs, and then yeah, that's that's a that takes a ten time. out of ten rebrand. By the way, that, that, that first name was just <laughs> terrible. Oh my god, <laughs> it, was, it was tough. <laughs> DeFi Spot ten. That's that's a one hundred out of hundred name. I love that name. Yep. Swipe or I don't even know how you pronounce it. <laughs> like, Sweep, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you gotta love it though. Thanks, DeFi mm-hmm. Spot. Oh, I also forgot to mention that, like, I, I didn't even put in here that uh, Thor Starter launched in, yes. uh, I believe, the end of June, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, th- that became a thing not not long after. Uh, uh, sorry, shortly before, and then um, they had their first IDOs around around this time, around um, end of September, October. Mm-hmm. Yep. Shout out to Thor Starter. Um, awesome. And then, uh, that takes us into September. Um, and what else happens in September? Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, all the chains started getting re-enabled. So, like, so as part of the, the restoration of the chain, right, first we had block production, and then it was just transfers of native rune, and then the chain started being enabled one by one after audit. So, started with Binance on uh, September 17th, September 28th, Litecoin, 30th, um, native Bitcoin. So that, that was basically September was just, uh, you know, network recovery. Uh, we, we didn't see uh, ETH yet, but all the other major chains besides ETH were uh, re-enabled. Yeah, Absolutely. Just, just add a little color. Like, so Binance was first because that's the one that we've had the most experience with starting with single chain. And that's also like the, the simplest and most um, like small surface area in terms of the security risks around it because Binance has no uh, EVM layer to it, it has no contracting layer to it so it's it's basically impossible to, to manipulate transactions or this kind of thing and so we wanted to start something simple, something relatively easy and then and that was Binance and we just re- required all the different teams that were auditing to, to, to kind of check those code paths and make sure everything was on the up and up and so they were able to do that. So we would start with Binance and then we went to Litecoin and Bitcoin because those two are also very um, relatively a lower um, risk. And then obviously the ETH was like the big one, um, the one that we were most concerned about from a security perspective. And so we wanted to say that for last is to spend the most amount of time so that all the teams can have as much time as we can possibly give them or as much time as they wanted to, to you know, validate those um, implementations and make sure that everything uh, was safe and secure. Mm-hmm. ETH and ERC-20 trading were re-enabled separately though, right? Uh, I think we did both yeah. at the same time. If I'm not mistaken, I think we did both at the same time. But the thing was like, there was this debate within the community around, oh, like, should, we, that's what it was. should we even, yeah. 
should we even do ERC twenties, right? Because yeah. this is the act of supporting ERC twenties just this increases the surface area that we need to protect mm-hmm. against, right? Mm-hmm. And, if, and if you're just transferring ETH like ETH from one address to another address, and there's not really much, um, not a lot of opportunity there for for attack. It's much simpler to to to, to, to um, protect yourself against. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I always was pushing against this emotion because I always wanted to make sure we we don't let kind of the fear dictate our our our, our policy or dictate our vision, right? Or our, our mm-hmm. you know our execution paths. And so um, I kind of pushed hard on the idea that we we maintain ERC twenties, and that was definitely a debate um, within the core team as well as within the community. And in the end, I think people decided to stick with ERC-20 because there's so many valuable assets that we wanted to make sure we supported, like, you know, stable coins, for example, like UST, UCC, um, DAI, and these kind of things are just as important to have in, in ThorChain as ETH itself is, you know. So mm-hmm. we were able to, to maintain it and, you know, knock on wood, we haven't had an issue since. Awesome. Um... Yeah, and I, I love that perspective, not letting uh, not letting fear dictate, um, you know, the roadmap. Uh, but then also going back to what you said earlier about, like, you know, why do cross-chain in the first place, despite the fact that it's hard? Um, you know, it's, it's what people need. It's what people want. And, uh, yeah. you know, ERC-20s are part of, you know, what people want, what people need um, out of this right. service. So, um, so now we're into October, <clears throat> right before Halloween, October 27th. Uh, our friends at Veneer Threads launch uh, and complete their Thor Force One Dutch auction for ten pairs. Um, we have the, the Lord of of Veneer Threads himself on the call. So, uh, familiar cow, what was this? What was this like for you launching and, and completing your first uh, auction for the first ten pairs? Uh, that was just incredible. Like you know, seeing that uh, you know the, the community was responsive to them. Uh, you know, I just I just want to get them out to the the people. So th- that was like what I was leading up to was just actually getting pairs out to the people. So uh, yeah, I mean, thank anyone that um, bought from that auction. And I'm also sorry if I if I forgot your project on here, but uh, I included mine. Like, I, I, we'll let you go up on that at the end after we get to the timeline. <laughs> Wait, what? What are you talking about, Thorgard? <laughs> no, no. If anyone, it, I'm, I'm sure there's someone. Oh, saying, uh, oh you, for, you forgot this like important uh, important development on uh, May 14th, 2021. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll, we'll let you up. <laughs> there's a lot going on. There's a lot going. I on. know. There, there is. Yeah. That's the thing. It's so there's so much going on, and anyone can really just make something that um you know would make it onto this timeline, but you know uh there's just like so much surface area that there is to talk about so which is actually kind of it's just crazy how um big this ecosystem is anyone could build on it too and growing and you know we're just getting started super early days yeah for sure and uh you know 2021 was was uh, a very foundational year uh you know putting the chaos in chaos net at times um but overall, just, uh, you know, like starting, like looking back on just, just this exercise, looking back on this year already and, and looking how far we've come is extremely exciting. And I'm super, super excited for 2022, um, everything that's happening at the protocol level and everything that's happening at the ecosystem level. So, um, yeah, it's a lot to cover. So, yeah, if, if, if there are any projects out there who, who you know, we, we missed uh, any announcements uh, about, uh, we apologize. But, but we're not done yet. We have... Uh, uh, two more months to go in this recap and a lot of ecosystem stuff uh, through November. Uh, in fact, November, I'm looking at the list now, it looks like it's like mostly ecosystem stuff that we have here as the ecosystem really comes to life. Um, 
And uh, and so yeah, in the wake of the Thor Force One Dutch auction, congrats, sir. Um, <clears throat> Thor Swap IDOs uh, November third on Thor Chain. This is first getting us into first week of November. Um, first week of November was uh, action packed actually in the ecosystem um, with the Thor Swap IDO, the X DeFi IDO on Miso. Um, and uh, Thor Starter introducing new Thor Starter tiers. It was uh, it was just a lot going on. And sorry, Cal, I'm just gonna take I'm gonna take this chunk because this leads up to like my project. Yeah, go for um, it. But uh, but uh, you know, Thor Guards, my team completed our uh, our sale of, um, of of our NFT project, and so we were actually, and that occurred. It was actually a, a seven day, a five day sale that started like November eighth. 9th, 10th, 11th, um, or 7th to 11th. And we were working to coordinate. I remember um, just how action-packed this period was for the ecosystem because we were coordinating with XDeFi and ThorSwap, and we wanted to make sure that we didn't um, step on one another's toes, that we didn't kind of uh, – we spaced out these launches with at least a few days apart um, to give the community kind of space to, to react to everything. And then also – at the same time, um, this was right like ETH trading, like because um, Hathor Swap was conducting their IDO, like they were they were dependent also on ETH trading uh, going back online on Thorchain, which happened at the end of October, and so um, so there were a few different moving parts here. It was like ETH trading to get re-enabled. Thor Swap was going to do, do its IDO immediately after, and then we were going to do our IDO after Thor Swap. Um, and uh, and yeah, both were super successful. Um, the uh, you know Thor Swap IDO, XDFi IDO, and then our our Thor Guard uh, token sale, public sale was um, was was all uh, all went uh, really strong. And and uh, yeah, and, and we're excited to to have these these um, ecosystem projects out there live and, and building for the community. So it was a good good start to November for us. Um, yeah, I was I was like super excited to see Thorgard's launch personally because I was like, because I remember you kind of like kind of showed me a couple of the images that you were working on, and I was just like, oh, this is like one of the best NFT products I've ever seen. Like, I love the graphics; it's like so well done, so well well illustrated. I was super excited for it to get launched. Thank you. Yeah, and actually, the three of us all had a chance to meet in person <clears throat> um, right before that. Actually, like right around Halloween. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah, yeah, we um. It was uh, NFT NYC and uh, and familiar cow and Chad and I. Um, uh, we, we we were able to host a big dinner for the community and um, and uh, yeah, yeah, had a chance to all get together and and uh, connect over uh, over some steaks. So um, yeah, thank thank you for the kind words and, and for supporting that and and um, yeah, it was a good good start to November uh, and a great way to close out uh, the year here. So. Um, Cal, that takes us into mid-November. Yeah, so uh, mid-November, uh, might remember there was a consensus failure on the network. We were down for a, a couple of days. So, um, yeah, so what exactly happened with the consensus failure? What, what was that? We, it resumed on the, uh, sorry, on the 18th. Yeah. Yeah, so the bug is actually kind of funny because um, it only happened because of a very edge case scenario that we would never have seen in single chain chaos optic because we never deleted pools at all. And we, 
And we had, that actually ended up being a problem for single chain because we just ended up having a bunch of like standby pools, like very little assets that are just cost of the network, computational resources to maintain them and secure them, but not, you know, have, you know, offer any value to the network itself. And so we made a determination in, in multi-chain to start like <coughs> kind of pushing, pushing out, you know, junk pools that aren't really doing anything. And so the act of doing so, we actually um, caused a scenario where like the network uh, had a slightly different idea. Each node had a slightly different idea of what the state was. And that's what, that's why it came to this because of this failure. So they were just kind of paused and halted until it could be resolved. But it took a little um, We fixed the actual bug itself within a couple hours. I was, that was relatively speaking the easy part. The harder part was trying to figure out how to resolve the network, how to, like, how to, to undo the because of failure. And so we were working with the Cosmos team and um, they're actually building a tool just for this exact purpose, but it hadn't been completed. It only been like half completed. And so we tried to actually complete the other half for them, but then that was became more problematic and more of a, of a uh, headache than we thought it was going to be. So we couldn't do that either. So we really had to spend some time, some time in, the, in the mud in a sense to try to unwind some aspects of Cosmos itself. And so we worked with, with the team a little bit to, to, to get that done. And in the end, um, with Nine Realms assistance, the, the core team was able to to get things restarted and running again and, and all that kind of stuff. So now we have that in our kind of back pocket if we ever needed it again. I don't think we will, obviously, but uh, it's good to have the information there just, just in case. Yeah, awesome. And then the next thing on this is uh, November 23rd, the Thor Chad's DAO releases their season one trophy. So that's the, an initiative by uh, the Thor Swap team. It's their... Uh, they have a DAO, Thorchad's DAO, and they they put out their first trophies. If you uh, give you it a high Thorchad score, so I'm sure that, I'm sure there's some uh, Thorchad's DAO NFT holders here. So, congrats if you got a uh, a Thorchad's DAO NFT. And that leads us to November 30th, uh, where Thorchain shards the Asgard Vault. So that's a pretty big step towards growing the network uh, node wise. Yes, for sure. So that was one of the changes we, we made for multi-chain that we didn't have a single chain. Single chain had like a limit of like, I think we had, I think it was 36 nodes total possible on that network. And that's largely because the more members in a, in a threshold signature like wallet or, or an Asgard vault, we call it, um, you have a quadratic relationship to how much time it takes to sign a transaction. And so it was about 15 seconds or so for, for the 36 nodes. But if you go to 37 or 38, you, you start seeing an exponential climb in a, in a literal sense, exponential climb. And so you really can't have like 100 nodes in one TSS kind of group, uh, special signature group, because it would take, you know, hours, uh, if not days, to sign a single transaction, which is obviously like untenable. And so um, the limitation of single chain was we could only go as much as special signatures would allow, which is like 33, 36 nodes or so. Um, but we wanted to obviously go higher because the, the more nodes, the more decentralized the network can be. And so we wanted to kind of remove that uh, limitation. And so we did. So we, effectively what that does is allow us to have multiple threshold signature wallets and you know, the group kind of, uh, the, the group of validators kind of bifurcates into different little smaller groups to each create their own Asgard vault and secure funds that way. And so that basically shards out, or similar to what ETH talks about, ETH 2.0 about sharding the network, we sharded the vaults. And so that allows us for special signatures to no longer be the bottleneck of the decentralization of the network. Now the bottleneck is like basically how much uh, network nodes that Cosmos itself can take or, or Tenement can take. 
which I think is around like 250 right now. Then it'll probably increase over time too as they make improvements in the, into that protocol. But uh, about 250 nodes or so. Would that 250 be like full validator uh, nodes or is that would be the, the entire um, uh, maximum for nodes? Like if we were to include like like future plans for uh, like vault node sort of things? Yeah, you know, yes, yeah, so there are 250 full validator nodes, and then the vault nodes or the light nodes, that's a completely separate concept, and there's actually no upward bound on how many of those can exist in the network. Those can be, you can, you could have 10,000 if you wanted to. Um, and we're designing it in a way to make it efficient, uh, computationally efficient on the network so that we can maintain as many of those as people want to basically make. Wow. Which allows yeah, that's to, awesome. to, to scale the bond of the network, you know, to to have no no cap. You, you go as, as high as people want to, you know, contribute room to. So that that's part of the part of the goal of of light nodes is to 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 make as many people to be a contributor to the bond side who want to be a contributor to the bond side. So that can grow as high as 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 the community needs it to grow. Cool, cool, awesome. Um, so on the Thor chain side, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, scratch your throat. Uh, all right, so that's end of November. And then that we round the corner into the last month here of the year, December. A uh, couple things happening on the ecosystem side, a couple things happening on the protocol side. So, um, <clears throat> Cal, I'll take the ecosystem side and then uh, you can close it out right. with the, the protocol side. So um, <clears throat> just on the ecosystem side, ThorSwap partnered with Olympus DAO and the ThorWallet iOS app was made available in the U.S. Um, so that was December 8th and December 20th, respectively. Um, and uh, really cool seeing ThorWallet in particular, uh, you know, go live on iOS. For anybody that hasn't checked it out, definitely go download the ThorWallet app. Um, and it's great, you know, the dream of multi-chain uh, cross-chain swaps um, and liquidity provision all in your, you know, on a beautiful iOS device or iOS app um, is alive and well. So check that out. Um, and uh, ThorWallet also completed their, uh, their IDO um, here in December as well um, and is going well. Uh, so ecosystem looking good. And on the protocol, a couple things in December. Yeah, the protocol, one of the most exciting things that, that we've seen since like the chain came back online uh, really is uh, StageNet launching, which will uh, let us get more chains on the network uh, quicker. It's a better testing environment. So, yeah, Chad, what's up with uh, StageNet? How's that looking? Yeah, so, so originally we weren't going to have a StageNet. We were just going to do everything in TestNet. We wanted to, um, you know, try out new chain support for, you know, you know Terra, for example, or, or what have you. But just, our test set has been so flaky in part because, like, I don't know why. I was just kind of surprised to find this. But so many uh, projects out there, even, like, big projects, not even the small ones, like, they're such unreliable uh, to, like, run their test set with, like, chains. Like, uh, BNB test set just went off. Like, we just lost all peers for, like, you know, a day or something like this, just like yesterday or two days ago, whatever it was like, and like Litecoin, like nobody mines a block for like, you know, six days or something like this. Like, it's just like, this, <laughs> it's just like, this like wacky scenario where like you have to deal with like added chaos that has no relationship to reality to like how things would actually be, you know, in, you know, a real mainnet scenario. And so it just becomes really problematic. And then we always have to struggle to find uh, testnet assets for all these different chains. And it just became like such a problem. 
And so the people over at Shapeshift were talking to us once, and they were just like, "We don't even use a test net. We just have, we just test on mainnet because because test nets are so unreliable, and they're just they just like put you through an added difficulty without any real like reward or return on that added difficulty. Like you don't actually harden your your system that much more. And so it's just like we ended up saying like, you know, screw this. Let's just create another mainnet that's not mainnet. It's stage net, and then uh, we'll run all the nodes, so it's not going to be like a decentralized system, which is fine just for testing, not for like actual, you know, money to be, you know, thrown through. So then we can actually we can we can easily acquire assets. We can easily just run them, uh, you know, uh, uh, try out terror or whatever without having too much struggle or problems of like all this Tesla stuff. So that was really the kind of motivation behind all this, because Tesla's such like an unreliable little bitch that you can't really do much with it, to be honest with you. And so we built an entire new network. Called StageNet, uh, which is mostly run by nine rums at this point, <clears throat> and so that's going to be the, the kind of the, the playground, the sandbox to try out, you know, um, uh, mostly around changes around adding new chains. And so once we start adding new chains, like Terra and Atom and Doge, all these things, like I think we're going to start busting out chains like crazy, just because a lot of chains out there are just duplicates of chains that already exist. And so by expanding our set of chains we do support we have access to so many more that we can just like throw in rather easily. Right. So mm -hmm. I think t 2022 is going to be this like massive ex explosion within the, the Thorchain uh, ecosystem, because we're going to have see so much new additions and so much added value. I would be, you know, Thorify or expanding the number of chains and communities that interface and connect with Thorchain. It's just going to be like, uh, it's going to be like super gargantuan. It, and people are, 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 don't even know what's going to happen. Like most of the community can barely even understand the idea that we're, we're supporting Bitcoin, let alone um, you know Luna and like Thorfi and lending and like you know uh, store savings. Like it's just going to blow everybody's dicks off effectively. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chad. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a phrase. Oh, hilarious. Uh, I love it. <laughs> It's crazy too because there's when those other ecosystems see that they can, um, you know, use Thorchain as like part of their community. Basically, it's like an add-on to their own value add. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. you know, if you hold Luna, then you're like, oh wait, I can then swap it straight for Bitcoin without having to go through like whatever kind of like like router. You know what I mean? Like all the bridges and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like. I this is going to be so important as like, as we add more chains into the network, whether it be Luna or Adam or, you know, Doge or whatever, like those communities are going to become advocates of, of Thorchain, right? Because, because we are supporting their ecosystem. We are supporting their assets, which they're all, you know, Doge maxis or, or whatever. Right. And so like, they're going to become advocates naturally of, of Thorchain. And then by, by committing their capital uh, to the pools or doing swaps or whatever, they're just, adding more value to this to this ecosystem right they're just creating more buy pressure for the root asset they're, they're adding more making the pools deeper they're increasing the the yield on the pools like they're doing all this on our behalf and they're doing it just through the natural way and they're doing it because they want to support their own ecosystem their own asset and so it's such a natural thing that as we add these other chains and these like you know these huge communities the the thorchain communities is naturally going to expand as part of that and that's just going to be really bullish for the project for, for sure yeah because yeah. thorchain adds to the value of their project too so it's like it's only natural that 
all the communities will support each other in that way as like their chain gets added, which is it's that's just going to be awesome. Like once all the major like chains are added, the economically significant chains with strong communities that just makes you know that just makes us stronger. You know. Yeah, I was actually just talking to Doquan the other day, um, and we were chatting about the idea of um, there's a website called uh, I think it's like Bridge.Terra.Money. Um, mm-hmm. That people use to to switch. And, I mean, I was talking to them about getting that uh, interfaced with with Thorchain, right? And so you'll be able to go to to, to bridge up Terra up money and be able to interface, you know, and do like a Bitcoin pair and swap Bitcoin for Terra and all these kind of things. So, like even these communities, I think, will adapt to Thorchain and pull in our functionality because all of a sudden their bridge that their community uses, their swapping mechanisms they use, they're going to be you know interfacing with our system and just drive more you know, trading and more volume. Uh, oh, that's amazing. Fortune. Like that's, that's huge. Like that's huge. And it's completely normal to them. It's like, to them it's like, Hey, would, would I want to have a Bitcoin pair with, with Luna? Fuck. Yeah. Like obviously, right. And a so thousand percent. A thousand percent. What idiot would say, I don't want a Bitcoin pair with like my asset. Like that's obviously ludicrous. And so like, they're all going to want it. Cause like, oh, hey, you can swap Bitcoin for, for my asset, whatever my asset might be. And like, it's going to be like obviously heavily demanded. And so, you know, people are going to like their communities are going to build interfaces in the Thor chain, whether or not those communities even understand that that's actually happening. They're just going to show up one day to, to bridge that Terra money and they're going to find Bitcoin as one of the options all of a sudden for swapping to Terra or UST or like whatever. And they're like, oh, great. I can go to UST to, to, to ETH or to Bitcoin or to, you know, whatever other assets, soul, like whatever. It doesn't really matter. Like, and that's just going to be super, super bullish for the entire ecosystem. They could build that. I mean, there's bridge.terra.money. I, I use that often, um, you know, take assets from like Terra to Ethereum or BSC or, or uh, Harmony as well. Um, and then also, I mean, even inside the, the Terra Station wallet, there's a swapping feature. Um, if you swap within the Terra, because uh, uh, maybe they'll, they could open that up theoretically to, uh, no, because they have to support multiple assets in that. But so I digress. Yeah, I think, I think that's going the way of the dinosaur, that the, the Terra Station, I think, is being retired in the long term, like in the next six months or something like this. And so that, I, think, oh. I, think, I think Bridge that Terra to Money is the it's going to become okay. the, the main thing. And uh, all that to say, uh, you know, we, we know that Doquan is a, is a huge fan of, of the Thorchain ecosystem. And, and this is something we had covered on, uh, or he, he did an interview on Kevin Rose's Modern Finance, and we pulled a, a segment of that on for, for RuneBase. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he's, he's a huge supporter and it, it'll be, you know, obviously the Thorchain ecosystem and the Terry ecosystem are, are, you know, very close siblings, I'd say. And, and there's a lot of mutual, uh, mutual fans of, of both. Uh, oh, for sure. So we are very excited to see that. Um, I think Rune and Rune and Luna are just side by side in, in a lot of our eyes. So yeah, well, um, we're, we're both Cosmos chains and we're both pushing on this idea that, that uh, DeFi does not necessarily have to live on Ethereum. Like, it, DeFi is mostly on Ethereum today because it's really like your only choice for the last like two years. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you really could wasn't really much other option to build your own like you know DeFi protocol other than Ethereum for the most part. Mm-hmm. But now that's changed with like Cosmos, and so I think I think even Terra has more TVL than like you know most, if not all, uh, Ethereum smart contracts out there and it's like kind of proving the point that like you don't that that the future of DeFi is going to be much more diverse than it is today and i think we're, we're both kind of advocating for this uh terra as well as a store chain so we're kind of support each other naturally because of it mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. And um, that takes us <clears throat> right up to the end of the year here, uh, December 22nd. So just about a week, a little over a week ago, um, Thorchain executes a router V3 upgrade. Um, and uh, yeah, Chad, yeah. you to give a little final color to that before we close out here? Yeah, the, the, the V3 upgrade was just like the last component. Um, after going through all the like kind of audits we did from the summer, and uh, making all these kind of security minded changes. Um, the router went through its own kind of auditing process and, and um, there were a couple of things to kind of clean up on. Nothing like too big or too too sexy, just just kind of iron out some kind of some crinkles in the, in the code. And, and, and I think that'll probably, honestly, that'll probably be the last update we'll do to the, to the router for, for the foreseeable future. I don't really see us needing to do anything else. It's very, very simple in its design intentionally. So it's designed to be as, as simple and as dumb as possible, just to keep its surface area as small as possible. So I really doubt we'll actually change it again, to be honest with you, uh, unless we do some, some new features of functionality. The only reason why I can see us making a change possibly is uh, to be more compatible with and being more composable with the rest of the Ethereum community um, in an effort to... Uh, Make it easier for you know sushi sushi swap for example to like interface with Thorchain and, and allow for like Bitcoin trading on sushi using Thorchain as the kind of the back end. Um, we, we can do some which we can probably do to make it a little bit easier for them to do to implement that. But other than that, I can't see us making any uh, any serious changes to that any, any further. To be honest. And uh, we also got Doge added to the uh, the stage net, correct? Like that just happened like the other day. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. We just got Doge going. We actually wrote the code for Doge, like, I think, uh, right before we launched multi-chain. And there was the debate at the time of, like, should we throw Doge in there or not? We're like, no, 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 five changes is good to start. Let's not, like, get too, uh, you know, overzealous and, and go for a sixth. So the code's been done for a long period of time. But we, just, we just haven't prioritized the idea of expanding the chain and adding more chains because we were so focused on, well, we have five chains already. We're slowly scaling up security. Let's you know uh, harden the code. Let's mature the network. Blah blah. blah. All these things are, that are actually critically important. They're not very they're not very you know sexy per se of like securing the network, but they are you know critically important things we have to get done. Right. So most of this year has been around just about maturity, about hardening, about uh, security, and all these things. And not a whole lot of the work has been done to like expand it into new features and functionality. That's what twenty twenty two is going to be largely about is expanding into new things, adding more chains, adding more Thorify synthetics, uh, getting Thor names actually launched, you know, and running. Like, all those things are going to happen this year, I think. Yeah. Love it. Um, awesome. So, actually, to close out, I mean, you touched on uh, exactly what I was going to uh, like. I have some uh, fun little questions, like end of year uh, wrap-up questions here. Uh, we can all answer so um first chad what would you looking back on and on everything biggest win of 2021 biggest win of 2021 i mean to me it's just it's delivering the white paper it is launching multi-chain like that was obviously the, the biggest thing that was the biggest moment in my head um once we got out there and seen the the, the response from the community i learned two things one is that Everybody in the community that like is a somebody, right? Like uh, that are like massive individuals within the industry who who run companies or like you know 
um, have done something, right? Like they're all massive supporters of the project. Like, you know, people like Do Kwan and Eric Voorhees and Andre Konje and like people who are actually know what the hell they're talking about are all massive supporters. But at the same time, I've noticed that it's like to get the on-ramp of like the rest of the crypto was actually more difficult than I thought. I thought like, hey, you know, the merits of the chain will be enough and that will just drive, you know, uh, a lot more adoption quicker. And I was actually completely wrong about that. There's, there's, there's people are in camps, people are tribal, people are, you know, uh, narrowly scoped vision, you know, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I was just like, okay, that's going to be a little bit of a, hard, a, a longer ramp than I thought it was going to be uh, for people to understand what this is, how significant it is, how it reshapes crypto, how it critically is important as a basic infrastructure that the entire ecosystem needs. That's going to be a, a longer, it's easy to, people understand this, this space, got it instantly and are full supporters of it. And the people that, you know, are taking a lot more time to, to understand it uh, are, you know, taking a lot more time to understand it. But they'll get it eventually. They almost have to. You know, it's, it's the same thing with Bitcoin. Like, the first time you learn about Bitcoin, you might kind of laugh at it or kind of joke about it, whatever. But then the, the more you learn about it, and you have to break through that ice. And the more you learn about it, the, the deeper you understand, you know, how significant it is. Well, it is, I think a lot of people... Uh, think it's a zero-sum game where it's like my chain like my my like you know i want to make the most money i you know put everything into into litecoin you know because i'm just that guy and uh you know therefore everything else is vaporware but you know with with Thorchain, everyone can everyone can win you know um you know you could you could earn money lending out your your litecoin basically and then you you basically win off of having litecoin because other people want to participate in other ecosystems as well so it does it becomes more than a zero-sum game right right yeah and you know actually chat to, to your point about um you know they'll they'll get it eventually because they have to more than bitcoin i think i think thorchain um will succeed and can succeed with actually nobody knowing like uh, very few people knowing that they're even using thorchain right because it's underpinning different dexes or swapping interfaces or right. Um, right. or yield, you know, yield opportunities. So someone theoretically could be using, you know, DeFi spot or broker, uh, and then, um, getting yield on assets. They don't necessarily, I mean, have to know that, it, you know, it, where those funds are going and, and that, that, that yield is being generated in the Thorchain right. network. That's, that's um, probably yeah. going to be the vast majority of people that use the network will have no idea if they're actually using the network. Right. Yeah. And, and therefore you don't have to convince those people or even explain to them what Thorchain is and why it's amazing, blah, 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 blah. All they know is like, oh, I went to bridge that territory with money and I can, I can trade my Bitcoin for, for Luna or vice versa. And they get excited and they just kind of do it. And then meanwhile, they produce yield for the people in the Bitcoin pool and people in the Luna pool. Um, and everybody, you know, in the community is happy before and, is, you know, effectively creates, you know, buy pressure on the Luna asset. So like some... That, that's what's going to happen in the end. We don't need to convince the community of like the merits of Thorchain. Ah, my dog. We don't need to convince the community of the merits of Thorchain necessarily. We just need to convince like the smart people to, to build it into like, you know, the Terra Bridge, for example, or Shapeshift, for example, or, you know, other things that are Trust discussed. Wallet, et cetera. Trust yeah. Wallet, like, you yeah. know, Exodus Wallet, Ledger, like all these mm -hmm. things. We just need to get those people to, to adopt it. And by doing so, just massive quantities of liquidity just naturally just come through the network, mm. you know. Good to know. So maybe a KPI track for 2022 will be 
um, interface, like uh, developer integrations, uh, yeah. like interface integrations. Good yep. to know. All right. Awesome. So biggest win of 2021, uh, check, uh, biggest challenge of 2021 and why you're grateful for it. Uh, biggest challenge was, I mean, I, I think definitely the kind of those instances we had in the summer were very challenging. They were very stressful. They were very, you know, overwhelming in many respects. Um, it was a dark time in the community for sure. Caused a lot of people to let people to kind of, you know, have questions or doubt or kind of, um, you know, so hands kind of started to shake a bit in a sense and reasonably so I can understand why, why a person might feel that way, you know? Um, so that took a lot of energy, a lot of effort, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of, you know, continuously working for hours on end, um, multiple teams coming together. Uh, that was definitely the most challenging time, but I knew at that time that, that these challenges we were having weren't fundamental problems with the design or the network itself. It's just, there's some things to iron out. And that gave me a lot of confidence that, you know, that we are still on the right track. We still have the right design. We're still, um, everything is like fun from the fundamentalist perspective. Everything is still very strong. And as we went along and we, you know, had more, you know, bugs and issues in the, in the code base, like these things became increasingly edge case scenarios or increasingly rare or increasingly, you know, and that kind of further proved to me that the network is maturing. The network's getting, you know, it's ironing out kind of these, these kind of edge cases. And as, and every time we hit one of these things, we just fix it and we move on. And, but still we have made, made no fundamental changes to the actual network itself. The original design is still there. And it has not been changed in the least, you know, it's still there, uh, which proves to me that, that, that we always had the right vision. We always had the right path. We always had the right architecture and we just need to like harden the code. Which just takes a lot more time for Thorntech to do that than it does for, you know, most of the projects in the space. Layer one's are obviously a lot harder to build than, you know, a smart contract, you know, for obvious reasons. So um, that was definitely a dark time and I'm sure there's dark times ahead of us, right? We're going to have moments where, you know, People are going to be upset about X, Y, or Z, whatever. And we're going to have, it's always going to be a roller coaster, you know, uh, for sure. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But all those things we had in, this, in the, those instances we had in the summer, especially, like, we, those are all, all learning opportunities, you know. And we actually, because of those things, we, we built out a, a better and stronger team. We built a, a better and stronger code base that's much more defensive in its nature and it has more blanketed protections so we don't have to find every possible exploit the network itself has these blanket protections that will do a very good job for the most part of protecting almost situations we can't protect or situations we can't foresee uh and then we building out the team and building Thorsec and like all these other things having a relationship with uh mutify to have a bug bounty so we can incentivize people um white hats to come involved more more often and even if you're a black hat the way we did the scheduled outbounds thing changes the economics of like it's more profitable now to be a white hat and, and attack the network in a white hat perspective than it is to be a black hat and steal funds. You'll actually make more money as a white hat than you would a black hat, right? And so the changing those economics just kind of creates, this puts us in a much better and stronger position. And so from a fundamentals perspective, we're in a better position now than the project has ever been in its history. And as we go further into 2022, we start launching Luna and UST and Atom and Doge and Soul and you know, uh, polka dot and whatever else is coming down. Oh, and then we had these like Thor savings and fixed rate income and in lending and cross chain this and like no liquidations on lending. Like all these things that people haven't even 
thought of or think people think is impossible. We actually have some ideas and plans, which we'll, we'll share with the community in the next few weeks. But there's some massive things happening downstream. But we need to get through the, the difficult parts first and the challenging aspects to get to where we are now. And because of that, we are in a much stronger uh, position from a fundamentals perspective. Powerful. Um, love it. That's uh, inspiring and a great a great note to uh, to sign off here on. Um, Cal, do you have any anything else to close with? No, man. I just love hearing Chad speak. So that, that's, yeah, that's, that's all I wanted to hear. I'm, I'm ready. For, <laughs> I just I'm still I'm still basking in the glory of uh, the potential for getting my dick blown off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I'm like like fuck yeah. Uh, let's let's do it. Let's live in that world. Um, well, uh, yeah, Chad. Uh, Appreciate, appreciate you and uh, you on behalf of the entire core team and ecosystem and, um, and, uh, and, and Nine Realms and Dorsec. We appreciate all the efforts and energy that went into building out this, uh, this platform over the, last, over the last year. And we as a community are all very, very excited to, to watch it grow and, and to support where we can over the next year. Uh, 2022, we, all, we are all looking forward to a really big, big year. Um, so, yeah, thank you, sir. Thank you, Mr. Cal. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year, everybody listening. Happy New Thanks. Year, guys. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you all. The uh, recording, we recorded this. It'll be available on rebase.org. And uh, we'll be back next week, next year, uh, for uh, a look forward to what's coming in 2022.